morning, friends. Today is Wednesday, the 3rd of June, 2020. It is an ember Wednesday. Um, Wow, it's really... It's a little bit nuts for me to think of today as an ember day. In case you don't remember from when we talked about it before, ember days are three days which occur four times a year. So it's a Wednesday, Friday, and a Saturday together. So that would be the group of ember days for that season. Um, It's the Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday after St. Lucy's Day, December 13th, after Ash Wednesday, after the day of Pentecost, and after Holy Cross Day, September 14th. So this week in which on the Sunday we celebrate Pentecost, on the Monday we celebrated the visitation, and here now on the Wednesday and Friday and Saturday we celebrate Ember Days. The name comes from the Latin title, I'm going to murder this, pardon me, Quadratur Tempora, meaning four times. In ancient Italy, the times, originally three, were associated with sowing, harvest, and vintage, for which one prayed, fasted, and gave alms. Later, the four times became occasions for ordination, in which, for which the Christian community prayed and the candidates prepared themselves by prayer and retreat. The BCP appoints proper collects and readings for this observance under the title For the Ministry, Ember Days, including propers for those to be ordained, for the choice of fit persons for the ministry, and for all Christians in their vocation. These are found on, in the Book of Common Prayer on pages 256 through 257 and 929. Now, the Ember Day letter, every postulant or candidate for holy orders in the Episcopal Church, and I would add aspirants as well, is required by canon to report to the bishop four times a year during the Ember Weeks. The report must be made in person or by letter and must include reflection on the person's academic experience as well as personal and spiritual development. Um, As an aspirant, I will be writing my Ember letter this week. This is, um, this is a crazy time to be, um, trying to pause and reflect on my personal spiritual growth. There's so much going on in the world around me and there's so much going on in my personal life and it feels really chaotic and quite frankly, um, I wish that I could be on a high mountain in a cabin somewhere on retreat, walking in the woods and pausing to reflect. I cannot physically do this. So I am trying to retreat in, into my soul, into that place of harmony and peace, which we can find in Christ, even in the middle of all of this. And it is from this centered place, this rooted place that I will reflect and, and, and write my letter. We were not able to have our, um, retreat where all of those who are aspirants and postulants and at any point in the process and 
in the ordination process in our diocese come together. And I really miss that. I, I miss speaking to other people in the process and to our guides. We always, we always have um, a large number of, of clergy and members of the Commission on Ministry and, and a wide array of folks supporting us. And uh, I've been to one retreat so far, and it's been a place where I really found a space to connect and to share and to learn from others and to uncover some things that I didn't know that I knew <laughs> and learn some new ones. And I, I really miss out on that communal time, um, as we've spoken about before. Even before the pandemic, I felt quite isolated. Um, but at any rate, this is an ember day. So this is a day of retreat and contemplation, even in the middle of everything else, work and the pandemic and the world on fire, the incredible grieving and violence and counterviolence over the systemic abusive issue of racism in our country and I think that this would be a good time for us all to remember that we are all together Christians in our vocation and reflect on and be open to hearing from God on what that vocation looks like what what calling God is laying upon our hearts, especially in this time. So with that being said, um, let's, let's say our morning prayer this morning. Um, our readings will be Psalm 119, verses 49 through 72, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 15, and Galatians 2, 11 through 21. We begin on page 78 of the Book of Common Prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my strength and my Redeemer. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Creator, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.
Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, as it was in the one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The mercy of God is everlasting. Come, let us adore them. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to God with psalms. For our God is a great God and a great ruler above all gods. In God's hand are the caverns of the earth and the heights of the hills are God's also. The sea is God's for God made it and God's hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee, and kneel before God our Maker. For this is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Oh, that today you would hearken to God's voice. The mercy of God is everlasting. Come, let us adore them. Psalm 119, verses 49 through 72. Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my distress, that your promise gives me life. The arrogant utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your ordinances from of old, I take comfort, O God. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked, those who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs wherever I make my home. I remember your name in the night, O God, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me, for I have kept your precepts. God is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I implore your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think of your ways, I turn my feet to your decrees. I hurry and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight I rise to praise you, because of your righteous ordinances. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O God, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. You have dealt well with your servant, O God, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was humbled, I went astray. But now... I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their hearts are fat and gross, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was humbled, so that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. 
a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. God has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, God has put a sense of past and future into their minds. Yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. I know that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done all this so that all should stand so that all should stand in awe before God. That which is already has been. That which is to be already is, and God seeks out what has gone by. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Come, let us return to our God, who has torn us and will heal us. God has struck us and will bind up our wounds. After two days, revive us. On the third day, restore us, that in God's presence we may live. Let us humble ourselves, let us strive to know God, whose justice dawns like morning light, its dawning as sure as the sunrise. God's justice will come to us like a shower, like spring rains that water the earth. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 21. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood self-condemned. For until certain people came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But after they came, he drew back and kept himself separate for fear of the circumcision, for fear of the circumcision faction. And the other Jews joined him in this hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not acting consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. But if, in our effort to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, 
but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle G, a song of Ezekiel. I will take you from among all nations and gather you from all lands to bring you home. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and purify you from false gods and uncleanness. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit put within you. I will take the stone heart from your chest and give you a heart of flesh. I will help you walk in my laws and cherish my commandments and do them. You shall be my people and I will be your God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. At that time, Herod the ruler heard reports about Jesus. And he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. And for this reason these powers are at work in him. For Herod had arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been telling him, It is not lawful for you to have her. Though Herod wanted to put him to death, he feared the crowd, because they regarded him as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company, and she pleased Herod so much that he promised an oath to grant her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. The king was grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison. The head was brought on a platter and given to the girl who brought it to her mother. His disciples came and took the body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. Let us affirm our faith together. We believe in God, the nurturer and teacher, from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit. She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate, spirit of truth. Amen. God be with you and also with you. Let us pray. Our creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your sovereignty come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. In place of the suffrages, we'll use the Litany for Healing, found in Enriching Our Worship, Volume 2, on page 30. The response will be, Hear and have mercy. Let us name before God those for whom we offer our prayers. 
Holy God, source of health and salvation, hear and have mercy. Holy and mighty, wellspring of abundant life, hear and have mercy. Holy immortal one, protector of the faithful, hear and have mercy. Holy Trinity, the source of all wholeness, hear and have mercy. Blessed Jesus, your holy name is medicine for healing and a promise of eternal life. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, descendant of David, you healed all who came to you in faith. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, child of Mary, you embrace the world with your love. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, divine physician, you sent your disciples to preach the gospel and heal in your name. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, our true mother, you feed us the milk of your compassion. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, Son of God, you take away our sin and make us whole. Hear and have mercy. Jesus, eternal Christ, your promised spirit renews our hearts and minds. Hear and have mercy. Grant your grace to heal those who are sick, we pray to you, O God. Hear and have mercy. Give courage and faith to all who are disabled through injury or illness. We pray to you, O God. Hear and have mercy. Comfort, relieve, and heal all sick children. We pray to you, O God. Hear and have mercy. Give courage to all who await surgery. We pray to you, O God. Hear and have mercy. Support and encourage those who live with chronic illness. We pray to you, O God. Hear and have mercy. Strengthen those who endure continual pain and give them hope. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Grant the refreshment of peaceful sleep to all who suffer. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Befriend all who are anxious, lonely, despondent, or afraid. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Restore those with mental illness to clarity of mind and hopefulness of heart. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Give rest to the weary and hold the dying in your loving arms. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Help us to prepare for death with confident expectation and hope of Easter joy. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Give your wisdom and compassion to healthcare workers that they may minister to the sick and dying with knowledge, skill, and kindness. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Uphold those who keep watch with the sick. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Guide those who search for the causes and cures of sickness and disease. We pray to you, O God, hear and have mercy. Jesus, Lamb of God, hear and have mercy. Jesus, bearer of our sins, hear and have mercy. Jesus, Redeemer of the world, hear and have mercy. Compassionate God, you so love the world that you sent us Jesus to bear our infirmities and afflictions. Through acts of healing, he revealed you as the true source of health and salvation. For the sake of your Christ who suffered and died for us, 
conquered death, and now reigns with you in glory. Hear the cry of your people. Have mercy on us, make us whole, and bring us at last into the fullness of your eternal life. Amen. O God, your never-failing providence sets in order all things, both in heaven and on earth. Put away from us, we entreat you, all hurtful things, and give us those things which are profitable for us. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. We are going to say here those special collects for the ministry, these ember days. They are found on page 256 and 257 of the Book of Common Prayer. For those to be ordained, Almighty God, the giver of all good gifts, in your divine providence you have appointed various orders in your church. Give your grace, we humbly pray, to all who are now called to any office and ministry for your people, and so fill them with the truth of your doctrine and clothe them with holiness of life, that they may faithfully serve before you, to the glory of your great name, and for the benefit of your holy church, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. For the choice of fit persons for the ministry. O God, you led your holy apostles to ordain ministers in every place. Grant that your church, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, may choose suitable persons for the ministry of word and sacrament, and may uphold them in their work for the extension of your kingdom. Through the one who is the shepherd and bishop of our souls, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. For all Christians in their vocation, Almighty and everlasting God, by whose Spirit the whole body of your faithful people is governed and sanctified, receive our supplications and prayers, which we offer before you for all members of your Holy Church, that in their vocation and ministry they may truly and devoutly serve you. Through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A Collect for Peace, found on page 99. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life, and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. As a prayer for mission, let's use the prayer attributed to St. Francis. It is found on page 831. Excuse me, it's found on page 833. God, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, 
For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And now is the time when I share a few thoughts on on the readings for the day. And so <laughs> I ran out of time and had to pause the recording, go through my whole day, and finally got a chance to pick it back up this evening. So this is formatted as morning prayer, but it's really all-day prayer. And of course, I've been praying throughout the day. Um, my friends, I, I appreciate your prayers for me as well. And, and for those, I know that you pray even for the names that I lift up silently, that our voices are heard together for all of those people. And um, I thank you for all these prayers. And I ask you to keep praying. Keep praying for me. Keep praying for the people I'm praying for and the people on your list and whoever the Holy Spirit lays on your hearts and the people you see in the news and, and all of them, all of us. We are all linked together. This morning, a friend sent me the, a clip from the NPR interview with Bishop Bud, or it might be Buddy, I'm sorry that I... No, I think it's Bud is how you pronounce her name, at the National Cathedral, Dean of the National Cathedral in D.C. And she was so well-spoken and so filled with grace, and I don't mean that in the way of graceful, in the way the word has been misappropriated to, to give us ideas of, of women should always um, somehow move like ballerinas. I mean filled with the grace of God, and she spoke fervently, but calmly, like a great peaceful power, and, and she just expressed herself so well, and I, I'm struck today on this ember day, and, and humbled by so, how so very far I, I have to go. I, I find myself so often tongue-tied and unable to adequately express the messages that I feel I'm blessed with by the Holy Spirit or even even my own opinion in a way that is clear and concise. And I know that that part of that is is stress <laughs> and part of it is not having the space and freedom for expression in my professional life. And so you get, unfortunately, kind of used to telescoping yourself in, folding yourself up, fitting in the space it's given you. And so I'm just really feeling right now that we all need space to grow. We all need to break free and break through into new life and new rule of life and and by that I don't mean legality um, I guess the better way to say it is the Celtic way new rhythm of life and I think that's a lot of what our readings are about today even our section from Psalm 119 that we've read so often that it's it's just underlined and circled and highlighted and annotated in my bible i 
I think this speaks of a new way of learning God's guidance of, of getting in rhythm with God, of knowing God in a deeper knowing, um, deep in our, deep in our hearts and souls at, at risk of sounding trite, but Again, struggling with the right ways to, or struggling with adequate ways to express it. Um, And I think that our reading from Ecclesiastes, another familiar one, is also so appropriate, you know, speaking to the seasons and all things having their own season. And, you know, even though the examples here are listed in somewhat opposing pairs, it doesn't seem like they're adversarial to each other. It it seems as if there is a, a partnership because we know that each thing has its time. So it's not saying never this and always that, but it's saying this in its time and that in its time. And the lyricism of it, it just, it, it, it amply illustrates the harmony of the cyclical nature of time. I think, you know how farmers do a controlled burn sometimes in their fields? I have to wonder if that's the season that we're in now. Um, Where the blighted systems that were in place the sick and infected power structures need to just be burnt down, raised to the ground so that we can start new. And this seems violent and you know that I don't, I don't believe in the myth of redemptive violence. I don't believe in returning violence for violence. And let me say here that much like Bishop Bud, I do not believe in violent protest either. Nor do I believe in passivity, as you've heard me talk about before. I believe in active resistance. that nonviolence doesn't mean laying down and letting evil have its way. And it sounds pretty, pretty violent to burn things down. But I also think that, that God uses everything and redeems everything. And I don't think that things have gone down the way God wanted them to. I certainly don't think that it was God's will that George 
or Brianna or Ahmed or any of God's children die in these terrible ways. There is I think sorry I'm struggling with with how to express this I guess the best way to say it is that I I think it is time to tear it down I think it's time to stop looking the other way patching and pretending like it's okay and going forward with the diseased systems in place that are continuing racist, sexist, and abusive in, in all ways, behavior and class systems and environments in our country. I think, I think I think there's some fundamental changes that need to be made and I think as terrible as the current situation is, we have even then more so do we need to redeem it by transforming it into something better. We need to take this and use it. We need to not let any of these lives lost be for nothing. We need this to be the moment that we say, enough is enough. Enough of biding our time and, and allowing change to happen slowly. And not, enough of not speaking up. And with that being said, I still think that discernment needs to be applied. You know, which action to take and when. And sometimes you do have to retreat from one battle in order to be able to regroup and win the war. But this, I think, is a time to rally and to move forward. And and not just to provide an example, but but to lead the charge, to take back, to restore. I'm probably saying it too many different ways. I think you probably get the gist at this point. And I think that, that when we go to Galatians and read our section from there, particularly verse 18, but if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. We, friends, we've been in a period of regression. We've taken backward steps. Let's stop rebuilding the same 
warped structures. Let's stop knocking off pieces, chiseling off splinters, and then pasting them right back on. Let's make something new. Let's no more mistake carrying the sins of the past forward for healthy precedent. Those are two very, very different things. There are some parts of the past that just should be left in the past. And there, and there are pieces of our past, especially in our history as a nation and those of us who belong to entitled groups, whether we have personally participated or not, that before we can leave it in the past, amends and restitution need to be made. So we need to knock the stuff down and then we need to go through the rubble and we need to figure it out. We need to take the hard look at not just the mess that we've made, but the grievous wounds and sins that we have visited upon our siblings, our co-created siblings that are made of the same divine stuff that we and God are. We need to look them in the eye and recognize them is not just human, but also divine. And then we need to together build some new things. We can't let, keep letting the same entitled group of people build the structure. We need to invite other architects to the table. Our siblings of color and if all minority groups need to have loud voices and so much say in rebuilding. And I am, I am so hopeful that even in the midst of the fire, there's the hope of a healed and fallow field in which to plant new seeds. And I know I'm mixing all my metaphors and I just hope that you guys forgive me. I feel so strongly about all of this. And as the writer of Galatians said, it's all by faith. There's no justification, just mercy. We need to put the violence, especially the violence done in the name of self-defense, especially what I myself used to call and pro say I was an advocate of, proactive self-defense. We need to lay it down. We need to stop being afraid of looking in the mirror. We need to throw ourselves on God's mercy like a trusting child jumping into its parents' arms. 
we need to all take I was going to say we need to all take a healing breath but I don't know that we can I don't know that we can catch our breath until the smoke clears I think right now we need to keep pressing forward and when we get into that open space together we need to lay down all our arms and make it safe for us all to take a big healing breath and then we go on together Our gospel reading today John the Baptist was a forerunner, right? He is a harbinger of grace. He came before Jesus. And what was done to him? He was murdered. Herodias is really the worst. What kind of terrible mother gets her daughter to ask for somebody's head on a platter, literally? I've been given some really bad advice by my own mother. And I wasn't healed and mature and self-assured enough to recognize it for the terrible advice or actually for the sinful eyes that it was. And I know that she was doing the best that she could. And I've forgiven her. And I've also learned we really need to get our act together and get on the path to healing and becoming holy so that what we're giving our children is not a perpetuation of the sin, violence, and abuse that our generations have been full of, but rather is the new message of peace and grace and mercy. Equality, love. And it's a terrible thing that Jesus had to grieve John. We just read on Monday how they recognized each other in their mother's wombs. What a deep soul friendship that must have been. But just as Jesus grieved John and moved forward with his ministry, we must grieve all of the lives lost. And they're very much related 
I was listening to Brene Brown's podcast today while I was working out and she was talking with the author, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name at the moment of the book, um, How to Be an Anti-Racist. And they pulled something out that had been percolating in the back of my brain for a while and gave words to it. And I'm thankful for that. There is a direct connection between the disproportionate number of minority deaths from COVID and the violent deaths of George and Brianna and Ahmed. And the connection is not that they were minorities. The connection is what our culture has done to minority groups. How our culture continues to disenfranchise, not just our culture, but our, our, all of our systems, our healthcare systems, our political systems, our geographic systems, our school systems, our legal systems, all of them continue to disenfranchise, under-resource, undervalue, and set at a disadvantage so great that it disadvantage is far too small of a word. Um, we basically set minorities up for death before they're even born. And those are my words or my inadequate way of expressing it. You probably do better off to listen to the podcast yourself, but but we must honor everything that's come to our awareness. We're finally waking up. And we have to honor all of those lives sacrificed. By going forward in our mission, by making it right, making it equal, the resources and the finances and the health care and the place in government, the voice in politics, all of it. We've got to go forward with our mission of love. And so we grieve and we also work together in faith. We take action, nonviolent action and I don't know what that looks like for each of you for me this podcast is part of it the way I'm raising my son is part of it 
I'm so proud of him. I'm raising an anti-racist, an amazing young man who, in an assignment for his English class today, wrote a sharp, witty, and metered, rhyming poem condemning elitism and the perpetuating of poverty. I could list off a lot of things that we can do, but I think I think that it sounds in your soul like a bell ringing, a deep resonant tone that thrums your bones like you're holding a tuning fork. When you see what it is you're supposed to be doing, sometimes it's just that you see the one right next step. And sometimes it's that God lays a calling on your life and you recognize it. This is a time of heightened awareness. Eyes wide open, hands outstretched. Let's recognize the opportunities. Let's work together to pull down all of the old established sick, sinful, diseased ways. And let's build new ones. And let's be compassionate with ourselves while we do it. Because we're going to mess up sometimes. We're going to get it wrong. We're human. But we're doing the best we can. We're not working to earn grace. We're working to give grace. I think that's about the best I can express it. So I hope that I hope that something got through. I, I feel like that was convoluted and muddied, but I, I hope that the Holy Spirit takes all my jumbled words and, and makes something of them, fits them into the pattern. Thank you for listening and thank you for, for letting me talk it through and for synthesizing all the sources through which God is speaking to me lately. I pray that God is speaking into all of our lives and that we are all open to receive the message. And I'm doing the best I can, but I pray God helps me get better at transmitting it. Thank you for your graciousness. Almighty God, 
you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in Christ's name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O God, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church, in the church, and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. And because it is now nighttime, let's pray this as our final prayer. Keep watch, dear God, with those who work or watch or weep this night, and give your angels charge over those who sleep. Tend the sick, gracious Christ. Give rest to the weary, bless the dying, soothe the suffering, pity the afflicted, shield the joyous, and all for your love's sake. Amen.